Welcome to the Texans! And again, Watson escapes. Over the middle, it's cut. Akins and the tight end rumbles in for the touchdown. Here's Watson now. Blockers in front. Lowers the shoulder and in. Welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. It was another disaster in KC as a toothless offence was outdone by an even more porous defence from the Texans. A night to forget for the first time coordinators Weaver and Tim Kelly on the O. Watson didn't look at his best. Without Hopkins, was it a new dawn? It didn't seem like that anyway. We're here to break it down again this week and hopefully look forward to what's even a potentially tougher challenge against Baltimore this weekend visiting NRG Stadium. Join me, I'm hoping to provide some form of optimism, certainly, is Graham Henderson, aka the Kilted Texan, making his second appearance on the podcast. Graham, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on again. No worries. No, I thought uh, if there's somebody going to be able to give me a bit of uh, Texans perspective positivity wise then yeah you might be the man what did you uh, what did you make of Thursday and uh, when you're sitting up at that time at night yeah when you when you're sitting up at that time you're you're hoping for a bit more of a bit more of a matched game you know uh, I would agree I thought we were completely toothless and some of it was quite ugly I thought on our part and I know people say it's maybe down to not having pre-season, but after watching Sunday's games, other teams seem to cope with it better than than we certainly did anyway. Well, we made that choice, I think, or O'Brien made that choice, and he said quite clearly, you know, we were not going to go full goal because we don't think that'll be a good thing for our football team. Didn't want injuries. Okay, we came in reasonably healthy, bar the, the quad injury to Brandon Cooks, who just didn't look like he had his usual zip from what we've seen of him anyway. We were a reasonably healthy team, um, and we've got to keep it in perspective. I think because it's against the Super Bowl champions, they're a high-scoring offense, um, you know. But you, you thought, you know, we'd made a change uh, this off-season to try and to try and be a different and more sort of rounded attack. But actually, yeah, that you know that wasn't that didn't work, or it certainly wasn't on show. But that wasn't the worst bit. I thought the the run defence was deplorable. 166 yards until 138 to rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, first-round pick, right? He was go- there was an expectation that he was a fit for their scheme. But I think what was scary for us, and then potentially also scary for the rest of the league, that it looked like they had a whole new dimension in their offence running the ball. The, the run defence was terrible there. I think we did give up 166 yards on the ground. And to be honest... I know there's the rookie element in that from the Chiefs' side, but a rookie running for 138 yards on on your D is not the best way to tackle that. Um, I felt that there were some pretty like well-schooled defenders on our side missing some pretty big tackles. Bernardrick McKinney, he, he missed a few key tackles in the middle. Uh, Zach Cunningham looked like he was his head wasn't in the game. He looked a bit out of place at times, you know, bumping other other defenders. It was it was, it was really sloppy when it came up against the run defense. Cunningham led the team with I think eight tackles, but six solo. He didn't have a good game. Um, and considering that you know the the salary that those two guys are on in terms of an inside line backer tandem, it wasn't good. And I, the worst bit was for me, I thought was that was that we. Pretty much exclusively played a four-man front, right? And that was because we didn't want to give up big plays. We kept safeties in behind, so we were trying, you know, respect Tyree Kill at all times and and not and not you know not get beat deep and not give up the big play. And that was fine. But then the, the, the Chiefs adjusted what we just didn't do, and it was it was an issue where like they they had the four-man front, but I thought the the pass rush was there. I thought you know Merciless was MIA. He, I, I, I thought it was a terrible contract at the time. It was rumoured that Chris Olsen maybe got the door because of that contract. And so the all twenty two still isn't out as we were as we were talking, right? But there was some just lethargic looking rushes that he put on where he, he tries the outside, then does the spin inside. And I think he was still, you know, he was still trying to spin round by the time the ball had come out the quarterback. It just looked, you know, you know, it just didn't. It, 
shortages and not the player that we used to see bend around the edge with pace. So, yeah, like I, I, I was a big merciless fan, you know, like. I like what he, well, certainly what he used to do anyway when it comes to the field and off-field as well, but you're paying the guy to be effective on the field, not like a community leader as such. So when you see the limited time that Jacob Martin gets on the field and and his penetration ability, you wonder why the snap count doesn't go up for him and decrease on Merciless. Obviously, maybe... Because they paid him so much that they can't. Well, yeah, I think he's he's yeah he's out there and he's it's it's names not game at the minute with him and I think I mean look it's week one and it's easy to, to you know to to create narratives and bandwagons and issues that that are maybe not there but I the, I, I thought you know the outside presence was was wasn't great as you said I think Jacob Martin needs to get on the field even more I the, what I found concerning was just the way their guards and centers just tore right through us. Um, and you know, and when you're only got a four man front, okay, you you need to be big and physical, and you need to go win those matchups. And you know, for me, it was either Dunn or Amenahu, you know, or Watkins, you know, in the inside, or you know, and PG Hall got in there later. But the the those guys were just getting kicked around, particularly by Kalechi Assembly. Now, who was a guy who was at Oakland, okay, Pro Bowl level player, went to the Jets, and okay, we can't really hold, you know, not performing. And, and uh, he's rather far against them, you know, whichever team it is. But I thought, but you know, picked up free because, or, or you know, or as a, or a late addition because one of their players opted out. And you know, he looked like their most physical lineman, and he he gave them an element in the run game that they previously didn't have. And you know, and, and you're right. I mean, the 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 score right um, right into the second half, which was basically the the uh, you know the, the the final final nail in our coffin, if you like, was the the one where Hilaire runs up the middle, McKinney misses him in the hole, and then Justin Reed gets caught flat-footed, but takes the wrong angle. Jacob Martin tries to, to chase him down, but it's too late at that point. And, you know, that that was kind of the game there. And I think that that saw, you know, that that saw a lot of it. I mean, the, I, I thought one positive, you know, because I think it's important to stay balanced, was the, the coverage, uh, you know, the, the pass coverage. You know, as you said, tried to keep two safeties. I thought, you know, Eric Murray had a reasonable game. He's going to want that interception back. You heard it pop right on the Chiefs. I think it was the Chiefs' second possession, um, right on the forty-five yard line. That could have been a game changer if he holds that one in. Uh, I, I think I was, I was actually more worried about the secondary uh, coming into this game, but there, I, I felt there was a lot of positives to be taken from it. They weren't bossed about as much as I thought they were going to be, um, especially, as you say, we would went for that don't get hit deep kind of defence because the Chiefs can, you know they don't need like long drives. They just need three or four passes and they can score a touchdown. We've seen that last year in the playoffs. Uh, I think we were so guarded against that that our, our front well, forgot to show up at times. Yeah, in the trenches, I I understand that people will have issues when they've not been going full goal. I get that one hundred percent, and I get safeties and linebackers are going to miss tackles week one. It shouldn't happen, yeah. but it will happen, right? But I, I, what you know, I think I mean Reed got burned early for that one that got called back. You know, at, at zero zero. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know if the guy has just brings it, I think it was Demarcus Robinson should have caught it and. And there was one actually in the in the end zone. Uh, I think it was before the uh, the Sammy Watkins touchdown um, was was again. It, it was dropped in the end zone again. Reed yeah. was at fault, so I didn't think he necessarily had a good game. And you know, when you think we were talking about guys like Merciless and uh, and Reed and, and McKinney and Cunningham, if you know, if you were to tell me before the game those four guys are going to have a bad day, you know, you would have found it hard to believe. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, and you and and if it does happen, you're going to get. You're going to get beat, I think, and it's. I think that the issue is the. Pa- I think the pass rush as well. When I mean, it, it seems blatantly obvious all off season that this was going to be the case. It has been the case week one um, for a defense that was, you know, it's eroded of talent. We didn't bring in a veteran offensive lineman. Now I know we signed Timmy Jernigan, or reportedly signed him. Didn't bring anyone else in. Uh, supposedly we're in for Derek Wolf. We'll now see him next week. 
I, I just felt we were a bit short up front. A PG Hall, to be fair, again looking for positives. I thought he did quite well. Yeah, I was going to say he he seemed to come in and he was he was really physical when he did come in. I felt, and and that's what we needed at that point. Um, but it was maybe just a little too late. Yeah, and, and I mean Blacklock saw limited of the field. He, there was uh, the Chiefs. I think it was number seventy-seven. I think it's the right guard, mm-hmm. um, or it might that may be the tackle. But there was a, there was a moment where there was just a small kind of run uh, inside zone to the right to the to the near side, and uh, and he was he was facing the sideline pretty quickly after contact. So I think you know it, it, there's, there's potentially some some uh, work to do there, and hence why you know there was guys like Carlos Watkins who you know. It, you know, we're getting more tight, more snaps on the field. I, you know, and it seemed odd, and I talked about this with Anthony Wood last week on the podcast, that Angelo Blackston being, you know, let go was an odd one. And then, you know, I've not watched the full game and how he played, but I certainly saw his highlight getting a sack, which, okay, he didn't do when he was in Houston, but he, he sacked Garoppolo for the 49ers this weekend. Yeah. It seems, I, I've got this thing, I... Don't know if it's our coaches are the issue or what it is, but it seems to be that any kind of talent that moves on from us seems to hit another level. If you understand where I'm coming from with that, it seems to happen far too often just now. Because I'm I'm not a Bill O'Brien hater, you know, but it seems to me that he alienates a lot of people that come through the organisation at a player standpoint. To, to prove what their worth was when they get away, almost. Yeah, I mean, there's not been too many, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think it's always the, it's always the worst thing, isn't it, when you see somebody go and then perform yeah. to a level. Now, I mean, look, his biggest contribution to this team last season, where he had a he played just over forty percent of the snaps, was he blocked those two field goals back to back, one in Tennessee and then in yeah. Tampa the week after. So, you know, that that was probably his biggest contribution last year. So, you know, that's probably not a regular thing, but yeah. I. I, I it seemed, it seemed interesting. I thought what again was was short of, short of pace. He, he to be, I think the one thing that separates him from Merciless, well, one he's not been you know rewarded with a new contract when he shouldn't have been. I think that's probably the biggest thing. But I think secondly, there was times you could see him creeping around the corner and getting there. But then also he showed a bit of value, which you know he's never done enough in his career. But he was playing inside, you know, against the tackles and guards, and and you know playing going after the you know the yeah. A and the B gaps, and that that's that's where he needs to be, I think, at this stage of his career. And I think as as this season, as it pertains to this season, I don't think we're going to have much choice but to play him in there because unless we can pick up somebody, you know, like we did with Grease Pickett or you know these guys, you know, we brought Will Fork in for a year. Now the game's changed; yeah. we don't necessarily need those huge run stuffers, but we need. Stable bodies in the middle there that can hold up against the run because Charles Amene, who didn't have a good game, Brandon Dunn, he's okay at run stuffing, but he's not got the agility to get off blocks. And then Carlos Watkins is he's not he's a really a, a non a non starter. So yeah. you know, we're potentially relying on PG Hall and a rookie, you know, as as the as the brightest shining of the bunch. So it feels like you know there's not going to be many hiding places this weekend um, for for. Yeah. Or in our division, you know, against teams that like to run the ball. Yeah, like did Carlos Watkins even see the field again after? Um, was it Hilliers' big team? Oh, one of his I've not, I've not. Yeah, as I've not watched all. Time. I hope he didn't because there was a couple of times that early. You know, he just he's one of these guys that's never lived up to. Now, I I think he's almost a kind of guy who he can't play on the edge of a four, and I don't think he can play in the two on the two nose tackles as a four either, the defensive tackle. So. I, I think he's maybe a three-four defensive end, if that, and he's not been great at that either. So, yeah, it's that—that that was the most worrying thing, I think. But it, it's you know, Brian said we just have to play our gaps better. You know, we missed twenty tackles. You know, all yeah, those that's things. A lot. Yeah, it, what, what they counted. I, I've seen various numbers, but you know, when you when you watch the highlights and and the sort of extended forty minutes, or you know, I watched the full broadcast back on Friday morning after it. As I said, love to get into the all twenty-two if NFL Game Pass will put it up up for people to watch and see a bit more detail. But there just seemed for me too many glaring errors uh, in fundamental defense up front being manhandled four on five. Um, and when we did bring secondary blitzes, there was one where uh, Roby came down uh, into the box, and then you know Mahomes just that savvy move just gave it that that fake count. He it showed his hand. He, 
uh, yeah. Roby had to sort of check his run and then go, and then by the time he's got them, he's got the ball released. You know, so it was always going to be tough against Mahomes. He's a great quarterback, and he's he's you know he's been you know he's been beyond probably what Kansas City's wildest dreams could have ever been from a guy who wasn't that great at Texas Tech. But yeah, it was not a good day for the for the defense whatsoever. No, no, I totally agree with that. It's quite sad actually when. For the time that I've been watching, it's been the defence that have fundamentally been carrying the team. For it to see it going the way it's going, it's, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to watch. Yeah, and you know, and I think that you could argue, you know, we've had to invest in players, and uh, and and invest in invest in the offence. But I think, you know, and look, Tunsil had a good game. I think there was a couple of times there was one play where he got caught short on a stunt. Uh, and the, the guy just cut inside his or his man pre line up cut inside and, and the uh and the and the interior uh, lineman's you know gone gone around them and got some pressure. Mm-hmm. But it feels like in some ways, and I've heard other people say this as well, that those picks invested into the offense, you know, don't get me wrong, Matt Sharpen had a good game from from what I watched again, all twenty twos, you know, is the is Yeah, the, I is think Matt Sharpen did have a really good game. Yeah, I I felt he did okay. Uh but you know, if you take the first pick of all, Titus Howard, the first play or the first obvious passing down, Frank Clark goes round him as if he's not there. Yeah, yeah. And now is that down to time missed in his rookie year, or is that just he's he's not picking up the coaching? Is you know, because a lot of people thought it was a big gamble us taking Titus, especially with the players that were on the board still. I think he. he I think it's I think it's Russ because look some of his film last year was great and and he he, he did well he didn't look quite as sharp you know coming back and the Texas brought him back from an MCL sprain where probably they shouldn't have done um, mm-hmm. but yeah he looked he, don't get me wrong there was some snaps later in the in the uh, in in the highlights that I watched that he looked like he was he you know he, he kind of maybe it was that kind of first you know catching your breath moment you know when you've actually got a um, you know, take that big kick step out wide and make sure you get the angle right and get your hands up and 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 into the, the rusher's chest and you know do all the things that he's probably not done at full speed since the Indianapolis yes, game on Thursday night. You know, which was yeah. what November. So, so yeah, it's it, it's a tough one. I think you know you've got to hope you know for the for the sake of this team that 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 line pulls it together because they've over invested that. But there was 24 pressures um, on Watson. Uh, he only had 30 pass attempts, um, so it's not it's not great reading, I think. And you know, and they went after Fulton as well. I think you know, the uh, Chris Jones. I mean, he's he's obviously a big he's a big mauler in the middle, um, but he he uh, he he ran over uh, or he or he schooled Zach Fulton a couple of times. Yeah, I think Fulton. From what I've read, got like the the was great out of everyone in the offensive line. So was that because he had, you know, him lining up against him most times? Did they did they pick him out as the weakness beforehand? So they put all the pressure. You know, that's where they try to make the gaps. Chris Jones is going to get his way against you know most people. Yeah, most people like ninety percent of the teams. But when you're setting up the protection, surely there's going to be, you know, when it's an obvious passing down, when he's, you know, when he, he's rushing from a certain side, I mean, obviously you, you don't know where the play call was meant to go. And that's, you know, that's always the, the, the you know, the, the X factor that, you know, from, from the outside, looking, you don't know what, you know, what, what the play design was. But if, you know, if, if you're throwing, you know, if you're throwing to the opposite side, then you think you've got to make sure that that guy's double teamed and Nick Martin slides over and get, you know, yeah. and gives him a hand and hope, you know, uh, Sharping can can handle one on one on his side, and it seems to be often that you see Sharping dive over and double up with, or or, di- or Martin dive over with Sharping, and and rather than you know in that case, should the protection should have been set with Fulton? Now it's up to Martin to set the protection, just as it is Watson. So that was that was a challenge, I thought, and it was it was it wasn't where it needed to be considering the investment. That problem needs to have solved itself. If not, then those investment decisions, whether it's Tunso and Tunso had a good game, but you know you think that's two firsts in him plus a second, really, um, and all and all for all intents and purposes, a first and then a second in Sharpen, a second in Martin, and a decent contract in Fulton, and a decent second contract in in uh, in, in Nick Martin as well. And you think 
that's just not good enough. You know, 60% of pressures. And the final sack of the game where, again, just looking at bloody images, pausing it, but I think it was either Fuller or Cooks was gone on the last, on you know, that last sack. And actually yeah. Martin just stops paying attention to the linebacker. He thinks he's dropping into coverage, goes over and triple teams a guy on the left on a three-man rush. Uh, and then the guy just runs, I think it's Dor- Dorian, Daniel Dorian, or mm-hmm. Dorian or Daniel, whatever his name is, but he just runs right out the middle, sights Watson, that's it. And actually there was a, um, a lineman free. Um, yeah. You know, and, and on the theme of sacks, I think it, the sacks are overrated, right? And it's it's the, the biggest stat in the game. But the worst one, or the worst the worst play of the game was when Tyron Matthew pulls oh. pulls down Darren Fells. He's got 90, 90 pounds on him. Uh, yeah. And to be pulled like that, he should have just been putting two hands in his chest and driving him back, or at least just at least just clamping or him, put down. him in the dirt. One of them. And, and, and again, it looked like Brandon Cooks was gone uh, on the up the right sideline, and it was going to, you know, it looked like a touch. Now, again, not seeing the, the proper angle, but, you know, Watson mentioned that Watson was zero for five on passes, um, or zero for five up to that point uh, on passes over 15 yards until he got fuller late on a 32, I think it was a 30, or 30 yarder late on. But that, that Darren Fells poor blocking, not only I thought, did it just show a lack of desire and a lack of concentration? Uh, but that, that, that effectively killed the game at that point. Yeah, completely. It was the... Have you, have you watched that one back in full speed? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it just doesn't look good, does it? Well, yeah, so you, it's, it, the moment for me is when you, you see him actually adjust his jersey after Tyron puts hands on him. You know, as he's running through on Watson, what you should watch it for that. It's like he's more interested in. It's almost like, can he do that? You know, yeah, he can. He's he's blasted past you. You know, that that's upsetting when you see that. That your quarterback will have no faith in the tight end blocking if that continues. Yeah, and I, I, and that, that's the problem as well. I think you know people said you know he's a, he's a big guy, but he's you know he failed badly down the stretch last year and blocking, um, and in times like that when you think you know Watson's probably looking looking at the lineup thinking right if he comes in we've got the tight end on, on over the right tackle that's the strong side if the, if the safety blitzes then we've got that covered, and I don't know I think Watson's probably got to see that and just pull the ball down. Um, but obviously we needed a play at that point. So if it's an interception, it's you know the game's lost. If we don't make a big play, you know, pretty quickly, then the game's lost as well. So I can see where that mentality. And you'll never lose that mentality, and you would never want to kind of to, to beat it out of a bit. But it wasn't a great night for Watson, I think. And two two plays that I'm desperate to watch back was just that drive. I think Darren Fit, uh, sorry, Jordan Aikens had a great a great uh, sort of duck under the linebacker and run up, and that mm-hmm. took us up to about the thirty yard line. And then at that point you thought, okay, the teams, you know, we've got a chance here to, you know, to, to try and bring the score level before half time. Um, and then Watson tries to force two balls into Fuller, one down the left and then one down the right. Um, the first one down the left was a strange one because it looks like they don't even block the edge rusher from the right, uh, and that the tackle almost just, which is tight as Howard on the right, just it completely ignores them. The ball goes out quick, it lands out of bounds. There's there's safety help over the top, which is tied in Matthew. Um, on the on the corner and uh, and it, again it just lands just lands quite that bit ahead of Fuller and that for me it looked like Watson made some bad decisions now he was twenty out of thirty two not his finest day accuracy wise but that that yeah. those kind of decisions at key moments like that when you've got to maybe you know not necessarily, you know, there was plenty of time on the clock. We still had timeouts. You didn't need to force the issue. But two out of three plays on, on you know, on that fresh set of downs, it looked like he was just forcing it a little bit. When when he was thrown, I, I thought he was going to Fuller too easily. It was almost like he just replaced Hopkins with Fuller because it's someone he's used to. That's just what it felt like for me yeah. watching it. It was go, go, go to the security blanket. A hundred percent, and the the what? Yeah, and it's a, a you know it's a great point to bring up, Graham, because there was no fluidity in the passing game. The whole the whole off season rhetoric, and even the the commentators picked up in the pre game 
you know, uh, production meetings that they have with the coaches about, you know, a reasonably positive spin on the Hopkins kind of training, etc. And the whole theory was that we had an array of players to spread the ball around to. Yeah. And by just channeling all the 30% of the targets through Fuller was no better off. Kenny Stills did not have a catch. Okay, he's got a terrible drop. Again, it was in garbage time, but he did not have a catch. There should not be a game this season where he's fully healthy, where he doesn't have, you know, four to five catches as a minimum. Yes. You've got Brandon Cooks didn't have a target until it was, you know, it was, um, sorry, Brandon Cooks had very few targets. And and uh, and Randall Cobb didn't I didn't have a target or a catch until really late. So we've got all these array of weapons. Okay, I don't expect it to be hundred percent fluid, but it, but they need to be schemed open or or at least attempted to be schemed open. And Watson has to be looking for them because we basically took what we deemed to be a problem and a justification for that trade, and then we just recreated the problem through another yeah. player who's not a possession receiver. Yeah, we we just replicated it. Um, I. I I would hate to think that we just got all this other talent in as as like a ruse, or we are going to spread the ball about and not go for the single receiver. If if you understand me, it's almost like let's get these guys. We've got a couple more speed guys, you know. I'll stretch the field, but really, we're just going to keep throwing it to Fuller. That, look, could, that could be a horrible thing to do. If if no one not, and I think if Fuller is the, is is the is the guy who leads in yards and leads in receptions, absolutely no problem with that. No, but they, but I think what what was what the issue was. There was the first pass of the game. What you know, and I think the, the big question coming in this game was there was no Brashard Breland. Traverius Ward was in the game and then went out injured, and you're playing against cornerbacks who have had limited to to very you know very few reps in this league. The question was before the game, could we go after those guys and target them? And there was Lejarius Sneed, who got the interception from Watson and mm-hmm. broke up a, or was there to break up, a, break up a pass. I think it was more of a drop than Fuller. The first pass of the game, it's, you know, if you get early, you know, decent catches from, you know, short to medium yards, it builds yeah. momentum. Fuller dropped that one really yeah. early. It set a tone. Lejarius Sneed then grew into the game. But Sneed was a Louisiana Tech converted safety. You know, we're not talking about, you know, top end premium talent that was going, you know, that we were going up against, you know, and which we are going up against this weekend in terms of, you know, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. So, yeah. so it, for me, it was it, the weakness or the, or the, or the inexperience was there. And, I, and Watson needs to learn that he's not throwing to a guy back shoulder fade. It's not Mike Williams that he did at Clemson. It's not uh, you know a big possession guy who can go up the ladder and catch it. It's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's got faster, smaller guys, and he needs to lay that ball out in front of them so they can go past their man and catch it and bring it in. It's not about yeah. turn, turning back round and bringing it in. And he threw one to Cooks down the sideline when we were chasing uh, a drive. He did. He sort of left that one short, and even the big one to Fuller at the end. He did. I think he did it twice with Fuller. He he threw it behind him instead of whereas like last season he would have he would have thrown that five six yards in front of Fuller. Yeah, and let him go and let him go make a play. And I think he's, he needs yeah. to. I think he needs to learn that that he's throwing again to different types of guys, and he's going to have to trust his arm. And try and drop it in the bucket a few yards behind mm-hmm. and make the guy go. You know, if he has to reach out and catch it, so be it. But every single one of his receivers now is, is, you know, requires that type of ball on the perimeter. Now the short, sharp stuff across the middle, I don't think he's got an issue with. I think he just needs to do it more often and and, and yeah. get the ball out quicker. Because actually, you know, they said that in the broadcast that uh, the ball's coming out quick and he's doing it, but then it just, you know, it gets a bit of pressure, starts regressing to to uh, to bad habits, and it, it all kind of. It all kind of seemed to go from there. I think and it was the passing game what it, you know what wasn't where it needed to be, particularly considering the opposition and the, the lack of experience that was on, you know, the the Chiefs at corner. And you know, and that that was it. That was a big thing last year. They won a Super Bowl with, with not you know any corner to name. Um, and that's not saying those guys are good, but the two guys who played off the, all that football last year were not on the field for the vast majority of Thursday night. So that was that was one. I think what was a small positive, and and 
you know, I think we didn't run the ball a huge amount, and nor should you in a game like that, um, unless you've got the lead. Um, but, you know, David Johnson comes in. He looks like the first time I've had an elusive runner who can cut in and outside in zone and uh, and make some plays happen. That first touchdown was, we've not probably seen a guy break a, break a touchdown like that for, for a while now. Probably since Foster, maybe. I would, I would say. Yeah. Oh, I mean, in terms of talent, in terms of you know, clear juice when the guy gets the ball in his hands, and there was there was there was a, a screen pass early on, and it looked you know it was well behind the the line again, and he just juked inside and went past the guy. It was only a three yard gain, but I just thought you know we didn't really have a player that could do that um, you know up till now. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree. I, I think. Um, that will build confidence with him as well because he's he's trying to rebuild his career again. So I think that's the chip on the shoulder that we'll maybe get from David Johnson. Uh, I think it didn't help losing Duke Johnson in, to his injury because it maybe changed like how they were going to to run the two backs because I think have they not got a lot of two back sets in their playbook? Well, yeah, I think they try and incorporate that, and you saw that early, uh, you know, sort of twenty twenty one personnel, and you, you saw that um, because you know you know you're asking you know the, the spare linebacker to make a to make a call at that point if he's not you know if he's not spying the quarterback or or what you know or whatever yeah. the assignment is. So yeah, that seemed like a really good wrinkle, and, I, and that was probably the you know as as. As often with Thursday night was there was you know a mild positive but there was definitely a negative to outweigh and that was a good one. I think there was a play in a third down where Watson scrambles out to the left, and then you, the camera zoomed in on you saw him gesturing about how he wanted it blocked and actually the reason why yes. it wasn't blocked was because Duke was down holding his ankle. Yeah, his ankle had gone, yeah. so he couldn't make the block or he would have made that block. The that was the first, and I'm going back to David Johnson. I think it was a good performance. That was the first time a Texas running back scored a touchdown in their first game since Ben Tate in 2011. So it shows you how long we've had wow. a quarterback come in, or a running back, sorry, come in and uh, and actually make an impact as well. And I think it was it it, it was a performance that that warranted some praise and and definitely some positivity and some hope for balancing out the offense but you know if all we can do is run the ball um against you know against teams that's great but you watch the i don't know if you watched the steelers run defense last night and how they bottled up barkley uh and, yeah. and held them to you know next to nothing i haven't watched that i haven't watched that game but i've seen the numbers and if roethlisberger's rushing for more than you then it's scary yeah, and it was it was for they looked ferocious at times in terms of breaking pass. I know, look, don't get me wrong. I'd like to hope, you know, after all said and done, we'll have a far superior line to the to the you know to the the New York Giants, you know, and they're you know relying on Andrew Thomas, a first player, you know, first round player, and at left yeah. tackle, and you know what, you know, we should be better than that. But yeah, I mean, they they did not let them run the ball. So you know, there's going to be times where. The pat this passing attack, you know, in, in the very not too distant future is gonna have to hold its weight and 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 be able to sustain drives far better than it did on Thursday night and against far better secondaries and against far better safeties, you know, all over. Um yeah. than 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 they did. But it was it 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 didn't seem like a you know a huge a huge amount of fluid that he was ever in the game. And they talked about that this week in terms of the Terms of we need to, you know, the timing and everything there, and you know, and there's a limited off season and and all those kind of things. But as you said, Graham, other teams were doing it on Sunday. Yeah, there were some some teams looked like they hadn't missed a beat from last season. There, there were some teams they just come out and they were ready to play. I just genuinely felt that we weren't ready to play. It was almost like we turned up for like a, you know, like a practice scrimmage. Not even a preseason game at times. And we were one of the, one of the two games that had fans as well, you know, because you saw Billichek get yeah. get asked what what did the game remind you of anything in your career, and he said practice, you know, and because there's not there's not a, there's not a drop in the, of sound in there or of any emotion. So you know, players are going to have to you know mentally approach us you know differently as well, and it's a challenge. But we, you know, I I, I said that in the off season. There will be teams that will come into week one that will not be as good as they think they are against the run, just because they simply haven't done it. And there'll be teams that just can't tackle. And, uh, and you know, and I, 
I said that with half a thought to us being one because I could see it happening. Uh, and just, the, you know, in terms of the, the no and the no tackling and practice effectively third only. And it looked like those guys were still, you know, just at that sort of stage where, you, you know, you've got to, you wrap up, but you've got to, you've got to throw your weight in the shoulder through the tackle if you're going to bring the guy down. So it was, it was disappointing. I think cause to take the lead as well when, you know, have a nine play eight yard drive was great. But that, that first chief score just gassed us. It was a nine minute, 16 play, seven first down gasser for the defense. And I don't think we ever recovered after that. They, they never did. No, they, they, they never recovered from that. You, you seen them when they were walking off, how, how, how done they were. The, the, you, the word gassed just summed it up completely. They were completely gassed. I don't think as well uh, Fairburn's um, field goal mishelped either. I think that took a bit of momentum out of us as well because that could have been a different game, you know. Well, that's it, you're driving. And even if even if you do hit the three, uh, you know, and we're probably, you know, not taking enough time off the clock and then obviously they get the... You know they get the penalty. Uh, Zach Phil, uh, Zach Cunningham rather gets the horse collar, and we were lucky to get away with a touch, not a touchdown there, and they kick three. So you know there was a six point swing at that point um, with us not with us not um, scoring, and then they come out the second half, they get that next one, and then actually we would have another interception. So on another day, you know there was one actually Hargreaves caught it in the back of the end zone, so didn't quite get his foot in. Uh, but that that was a penalty on Cunningham, and then there was another one later on where Roby again, who didn't have a good game. Had a penalty, and actually McKinney goes up and catches it, backs off the yeah. coverage, catches it, and then the penalty overrules it. So you know, on another day, we could have had three interceptions in that game, if not two at a minimum. So that you know, yeah. you think you know, on another day, if Eric Murray brings that one in, you know, the, Fuller catches that one early. Now these are kind of you know small ifs and buts, but you know, there, there, there was some degree of positivity or some degree of small, you know slices of luck that we needed that yeah. if it could have gone our way we needed those against a team that's better than us just like we needed them this weekend but it felt like on another yeah. day that what it wasn't all hope was lost it wasn't like watching the Jets or no, or, no, or no. the Browns or you know some of these teams at the at the weekend it just looked like how you know it looked you know there wasn't you know there was some games that I watched on Sunday um, that I was just flicking between the games and it looked like you know they, they're not going to be able to buy a win unless they find some 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 screed of form somewhere or other doing something very different yeah. to what they were trying to do week one when you've got all that time to prepare it should be you know in theory it should be decent yeah for for all our um misfortune and misplays i i do see light in it i i do believe that we have got some wins in us a good few wins in us, actually. Uh, I still believe that we are the team on seat in the AFC South. I know a lot of people are blowing smoke up the Titans, but I don't believe they were that great last night against. Oh, the they Broncos. definitely weren't. Yeah, I, I turned it. I turned on the last, the last quarter, uh, in with a, even a bit more of an experienced offense, and maybe Cortland Sutton out there. They win that game, uh, Denver, because they had a they, they had a, a short field punt, and all they had to do was run the ball five or six times yeah. and kick a field goal to win it. Um, and they and they, they ended up punting somehow. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. And yeah. then I think that you know, so I think that that, and then you saw the you know you saw the Jags as well this weekend, and they put in a performance that you know actually you know it seemed pretty good. I know um, Indianapolis do not have a good record there, but. There was a, you know, definitely be a lot to be positive about, particularly Minchie's come out, come out swinging. I think you've got that, that John Gruden offense, so that West Coast similar to what he played at Washington yeah. State probably suits them. And you know, I think it was a one incompletion, a ninety-five percent completion rate or something. Like that. Yeah, something like that. It was, I, his numbers were ridiculous. So, um, and then the Colts, they seem to struggle as well. Um, so, so really, uh, I, I do still think that. For us, anyway, because all you really have to do, as we know, is win your division and you get in the playoffs, and then it's anything can happen when you get to that stage. So the goal every year is just be good enough to win the South, anyway. So you've got to look at the teams around you and say, look, we can't beat these guys home and away. Let's see where else we can pick up some wins. Yeah, I think on the, the the theme of sort of just being generally toothless, I think our biggest task is just not to implode in these first four games and go on four. 
Um, <laughs> because as long as we can win one out of the first four, two's ideal. Yeah. Um, you know, then we've you know we've got Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Green Bay. You know, and I don't think Green Bay is necessarily quite the team that people want to make them in that romantic notion that it you know <laughs> that they're the you know the only fan-owned team in their draft. Uh, you know they're yeah. like a cut above the rest in terms of the way they do business. So I've got the the perception, and we'll come on to what we think might need to happen this weekend. I, I've got the perception that we'll most you know more than likely lose this unless we've got some more than fortunate swings go our way. Um, but coming out of that game at this stage, and I know it's only week one, but I I just felt it looked like we were a worse team than the one that blew a twenty four point lead in January. Yeah, I, I would agree completely. Um, I felt just watching that game, it felt like we'd regressed from that game, um, and, so, and especially from the game last season during the season when we beat Kansas up there, we definitely were miles away from that. But whether or not it's down to were the guys mentally prepared for going full contact, you know, was this was the Chiefs supercharged with? having their ceremony beforehand. You know, a lot of teams got beat by a lot worse teams, if you if you get what I'm saying. there's The Chiefs are the Super Bowl champs. They're, they're, they're pretty much favourites to the peak, I think. And that's who you get in week one. So you're up against the best. So you can't really disintegrate yourself too much because that wouldn't be fair. You know, you had the toughest test in week one out of all the other teams in the league. Yeah, and I mean, we 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 were. I mean, let's not let's not make any bones about it, Graham. We were shafted by the schedule makers having the Super Bowl <laughs> champions week one, and then having the best record in the AFC in week two. So you know, I think you know, to, to be yeah. sitting five hundred after four, I think is the is the the only you know is is success I think early in the season considering the off season considering the moves that were made and all the consternation around those moves we need to find a way to be more consistent and have an identity on offense that's going yes. to cover up for some of this defense but I think that the unequivocal question that we cannot get away from is are you know are we going to find ways to stop the run now you know I think you know most teams have got you know a speed receiver so if, if we're going to be you know, having you know plenty of defensive backs on the field to try and avoid that, then the answer might be we're going to watch four guys up front and get shredded. Apart from early, you know, the first quarter was great, and you know, and Mahomes was held to I think seven point seven yards, which is you know one of his third lowest in his career. So, but I think the 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 issue is that you know they adjusted and they adjust in the playoff game, and we look like we're slightly less talented with coaching staff that aren't really all that great at adjusting. And making mm-hmm. the changes necessary during a game, based on the plays that you know or the tendencies that have been that have been put you know put on show by the opposition. And that, that's a key word adjustment because you can't if if it's not working at the start, it's not going to be working at the end. You know, if you just stick to your game plan through the whole game, uh, what's it to say if you repeat the process and get the same results? It's like a form of insanity. I feel sometimes that we fall into that category because. There's no adjustment. We, we we can't seem to see past our own game plan. We think that this is the one that's going to win us this game, and when it when it goes out the window, it's like let let's just stick to it. You know, I think we were when we were trailing. We, I can't remember how many running plays, but you're not going to win it by running the ball. You know, you you're going to have you're going to have to go to the air, so you're going to have to adjust to that and think up schemes and plays. That are going to get these guys open and take chunk plays. And Tim and Tim Kelly with the headset, and it was you know definitively what was him calling the plays. Um, it didn't look too different, and I don't think the concepts looked all that different. Uh, and it just felt like that we that it was kind of much of the same. And I hope there's some you know ingenuity in the bag to to, to be shown uh, at parts of the season, but. We just weren't particularly aggressive, like you said. We just didn't go there. We didn't take enough shots. You know, when the commentators mention you're not taking any shots yet, that's the difference. Yeah. You know, and but Kansas City, they, they they made sure there was safety help over the top. They didn't, they didn't want those young guys to be exposed and get beat. 
Um, so then you've just got to take what's underneath and keep doing it. And I, you know, and I wrote that on the podcasttexans.com website. That was the one of the biggest questions about the, the the offense. Could the speed be leveraged enough to deliver space underneath for guys to you know to to make easy completions and mm. you know guys like you know Cobb, you know Fells, Aitkins, you know we never saw any of wearing apart from on special teams. So you know that was a big question, and the answer to that was no. The answer to could we run the ball was yes. So there was there is some light, um, mm. but I think this this run is going to be difficult. I think, and and but the aggression needs to be there because there was the fourth and four around midfield, and we didn't go for it. We punted the ball, and I just thought that yeah. I thought that was just it. Just showed you, you know, how many times have we watched games in the O'Brien era where you know, and let's not forget it was thirty-one to seven at one point. Yeah, and we we scored two unanswered. Yeah, thirty-one unanswered, and we scored two garbage time touchdowns when they just sort of took their foot off the gas and were just happy to let the clock roll and take your time, guys. You know, that's yeah. what I'm doing in the bag. And that's what it felt like. And it felt like they didn't get out of much out of, you know, more than a couple of gears against us as well. And that was probably the most disappointing thing. So, you know, not many positives, some in there to try and build. We're welcoming Baltimore this week for the first time since I think 2015 when Case Keenum came back and and, uh, and, and won it for us and threw a touchdown to CJ Fedora. That's how long ago we've not welcomed them there. Now, we went up there last year after the bye week in the London game. Looked, you know, mm-hmm. looked out of sorts, to say the least. There was that big call, obviously, with Hopkins that, you know, should have got the pass interference and got the ball yes. down on the one early. You know, and actually Tucker had missed a field goal at that point, and it kind of felt right. I think we've got, you know, got a chance here if we can go and just, you know, put the foot on the gas a bit here. And we crumbled probably up there with the top three or four crumbles of Atlanta 2014, Miami 2014, you know, all those kind of terrible, terrible performances we've had under O'Brien. That was right up there with them. Yeah, and it, we, can, we can put our hands on Jackson in that game. Yeah, and I think that's... Watching the Ravens and watching how well they scheme open their tight ends and how well they scheme open, you know, the receivers and how easily they cut through the Browns, particularly considering the Browns' front is far better than ours. Um, yeah. And some of the corners, you know, I think they had some injuries at corners and that that was that was a big issue for them. Um, but I think they made very light work of of Cleveland. And I think that the biggest thing is is not you know not only is us stopping their offense, which I just don't see us doing. You know, high octane offices. I don't think we've ever got a chance to do it. I think we'll be kidding ourselves. We think we can, but it was, it was the way their defense took it to Cleveland. They've invested in that line. Okay, fair enough. Maybe not quite, you know, up there with the best. But there was a there was a play where they were three and forty one yards to go. <laughs> yeah, I seen that. The, yeah, I seen that because it was Browns being Browns. It was kind of the tag for that. Um, but how 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 on earth the was that just due to the sacks and yeah what? they just got pushed back and pushed back and you know you've got Calais Campbell there now they signed Derek Wolf you've got you know guys like Matt Judon Bowser there you know all guys that can push the pocket and those are the kind of bodies you need against a four man front and and we you know that our line struggled against big physical four man fronts you know like in the Tampa mm-hmm. game. Against against Jacksonville last year, you know when Calais Campbell was there. So, you know we we've shown a weakness against those types of fronts, um, and then you add that into the you know Marlon Humphrey, uh, you know Marcus Peters, two you know really upper end corners, who you know and and, and Peters they got for you know a, a late round pick, and it wasn't much to yeah. to bring him over. So, uh, it, it feels like you know we've got you know we we didn't perform against an you know an average to upper tier you know defense last week. The talent is even more so. Okay, I think the only weakness of the Ravens team is they've got a couple of linebackers, Patrick Queen and I think the guys Levine to the other back, other backer, and and you know that's that's about the only weakness you could say they've got really is the or glaring weakness is the inexperience at linebacker. So, you know, I think for us, we're going to have to, you know, those short, sharp, over-the-middle plays, we're going to have to stress them in those areas 
and hope that actually, you know, it's almost like the opposite of the Chiefs game where we want to try and, you know, run the ball, stress them, you know, in the middle and then, you know, hoping that we can get guys to creep down in the box to try and stop the run and then we can hit them in behind because it's almost the inverse of the game. And I think it's almost the inverse of the of the of the defensive game plan as well, because we're going to have to pack the line, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. you know, we're going to have to bring extra men down to the, the, the down onto the ball, because if we leave that, that those four guys or any variation of those four, four men fronts that we left against Kansas city, it's, uh, it's going to be a hell of a lot than 166 yards that they're going to put up rushing. I just, I, I just have no idea how we're going to contain. I, after seeing what Baltimore did to us last season, and seeing how effective they were last week, I, I just I fear for what's going to happen to us because I, I really think that Baltimore is going to be a better team than the Chiefs were being into week two. You know, they'll be sharper. And I, I don't think, after watching last week, that we're, we're not the same shootout team we were last year or, the, or seasons before, you know, where we've had games where against the Seahawks and... Deshaun's first season, um, the Saints last year, in the opener, you know, we were, we were like a shootout team. It, it almost didn't matter sometimes how many points teams put up because we could put up just as many ourselves. But I genuinely can't see that in this game. There's Yeah, there's going to be have to be some grand intervention in coaching done this week, you know, in the limited time we've got, I know, I know we've got a couple of extra days um, and I hope that plays in our favour, but we're going to have to have a way that Weaver can, you know, coach up the yeah. scheme to make sure that these guys are not chasing sacks because you're probably not going to get it if you get in the back, but you've got to hold your gap and you've got to make sure you yes. run your assignment perfectly to, 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 uh, to set the edge and keep them in the pocket because if he gets out, it's a first down, the chains are moving, what have you. And then, you know, I think and what's I think even more scary is that they've got J.K. Dobbins scored two touchdowns and you've got Mark Andrews, who there is a tight end, who's a later round pick out of Oklahoma, but he's playing himself into the conversation of being an upper tier tight end in this league and that one-handed catch he caught in the end zone. Oh, um, and then you've got Hollywood Brown, who everybody's saying is, is is uh, is faster, stronger, and, and you know, and he's packed on you know twenty pounds of muscle this off season. So it feels like they are on the ascendancy as well. Um, and I think we're potentially walking in a bit of a buzzsaw, and it's all going to depend on if we can just not be walked over in the run game, and we can find some semblance of competitiveness at the line, and that goes on both sides of the ball. Because I, you know, I remember even. Games where we had, you know, Brent uh, Giacomini and Chris Clark at tackle and Greg Mans at at, uh, at guard, and we went up to Jacksonville. The game that the game that Watson had to to get a bust there because of his broken uh, broken rib. And we went to Jacksonville that day and we won the battle of the line of scrimmage, and that was what got us through that game. Where a quarterback who was not fully fully up to strength, and you know, and if he can do that, it wins a battle. But the the point I'm, I'm making is that. The talent we've got on paper is so far superior to those guys, those five that, that rolled out that day and other days where we've had you know better performances than that. But like a guy like Mance, for instance, he's just that he's he's a nasty guy in the trenches. You know that's maybe what we're missing. Like he he's a guy that will do anything to win that battle. Yeah, and he's sitting know? on the practice squad right now, and you you you've got to. You've, yeah, you've you've got to think that you know there's certain elements of that can't get any worse, and there's an upside there to to be had, and you know. But I, it's going to be one of those things that we talked about last week is that it's going to have to be you know can we win up in the trenches? But the pass protection yeah. is going to be have to be perfect this week, and that means setting the protection right. That means doubling the right guy, i.e., probably Calais Campbell, um, and it also is going to mean that you know can we make sure who, you know, Wink Martindale sent so many secondary blitzes, albeit a few of them were were, uh, were Thomas, who's no longer there, but the, he was more than happy to bring guys from the secondary and add extra rushers. So we're going to have to, you know, be very clear of how they attacked us because I, I can't see them, you know, trying to trying to come at us any other way than just exactly what they did the last time because even if it was 50% of effectiveness, they've probably got a chance to win the game again. Yeah. It's... Um... In the running back situation for us going into this game, do we know if 
Is Scotty Phillips been activated for this one? Well, I think he was. I think he was. He wasn't in the inactives, and it came up that he was on the active roster. So I think he was. He was. He was potentially stripped last week. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, um, yeah. I think he, he's I, quite. I think a, he'll go. He's, he's, he's interesting. He's he's interesting. Yeah, he's quite a good um, blocking running back. Like he he picks up a lot of blocks. I've seen that from some of the stuff from was it Oklahoma? No, Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah, Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah, so I he's he's got you know he's he's got from I I, I the only game I, I watched of him to be honest was the one that was at NRG. That's the only game that I've ever actually watched. You know, that decent decent level of uh, decent level of detail. But uh, from you know from that tape, you could see why um, they wanted him because he, he's a, he was a one cut runner. You know, similar to some of the stuff that David Johnson did well. And we've probably not seen that. You know, quite that level of fluency in terms of uh, being able to to uh, to duke one way or the other, you know. And I think Carlos Hyde did a good job of that uh, last, uh, you know, last year. And that's so why he scored for yeah, scored for Seattle, and he was he was a good fit. But I think having that extra dynamic of uh, you know of being being able to being able to shift um, your weight from one foot to the other and, and and change direction from you know either side of the on the on the onward. Russia from the from the secondary level, I think he's, he's he's got a chance. So yeah, he's interested. But again, it's it's one of these things. You know, you hope he can come in and maybe co- co- uh, contribute in a way that will will uh, help us be balanced. But it's going to be you know Cam you know watching pass for three fifty you know plus probably if we're going to beat a team like the Ravens. I think that's that's the key. And I think we'll have to you know we we, we lost the turnover battle last week. If you're going to beat yeah. teams that are better on you on paper, you're going to have to look after have the to ball. Get turnovers. And we're going to have to get turnovers. Yeah, we're going to have to find a way uh, to scheme it up and, and and make sure we do. And and I, I think there's there's some of the elements are predictable, and they go with multiple tight end sets. And it's a lot of short stuff across the middle, continuous you know running broken plays sometimes, and they'll they'll, they'll make sure they get um you know they'll, they'll get their fair share. But it's there's going to have to be so much uh, that goes our way. Now, Graham, as a man, it's been energy stadium a lot of times. What do you think? Do you think, you know, would would having any fans be in there is just going to be another practice scrimmage? Like, you know, mate, just, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, 14 of the other games at the weekend basically had to endure. Uh, it depends on which fans they put in. To be honest, like you've been energy. There's quite a few boo boys in there as well, you know, that are quick to turn on the team. If you got the right guys in there that are, you know, going to cheer right to the death for them, you know, give them some motivation, I think it, it would probably help. I think that the players would react to that. There's a lot of a lot of these players, they seem to like they need the juice, as, as we say, and they only get that from the fans. Yeah, I know yeah. that's the thing. They've got they've got to be able to self motivate this year, and you know, but you saw that with the Chiefs, only sixteen, seventeen thousand, or however many, many, you know, were in there in the end. By you know, by all accounts, yeah, there was still yeah, reasonably loud, and it had an, yeah, and it had an impact on the game. Just as Jacksonville, you know, there was there was all the you know there was some great plays by CJ Henderson, there was some great plays by uh, you know by Garner Minshew, and you know there was you know that touchdown to Shark when he went you know went into the the right hand side of the end zone, reasonably, you know, free and uh, untouched. Yeah. He, you know, there was it was obvious the home team were ahead at that point. So, yeah, and I, and I remember being in NRG Stadium the night we beat the Colts in overtime when Brock Osweiler scored the, you know, that where he, or he, he hit Jalen Strong in overtime and kicked the field goal, but it was the CG Fedorovic touchdown that got it. But actually, at that point, as you said, you know, there is an element of people that are so quickly to turn their back and. There was, you know, there was. You were probably on, you know, thirty, forty percent of the crowd were left by that point in the fourth quarter on a, on a late, a late, uh, a late kickoff um, on a Sunday. So, you know, I think if we can get fans in to the stadium, it will make a big difference. But it's going to be, uh, you know, self motivate, and surely there's no better way for the players to self motivate themselves than after being, you know, not, you know, borderline humiliated on on. Uh, on Thursday night football in front of everybody after that wait was so long for that. And then to turn out that performance, you know, there has to, that, yeah, there has to be an element of, you know, let's go and get this. Now we, we let our, we sold ourselves short on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Because they'll, they'll know that on paper, probably the second best team in the league or certainly in the AFC is coming to town. 
So what better way to put a, a full stop in it is by showing up against them and, and, and making a name for yourself against them. Because if you can beat them, then it goes into your, let's get to 500 out of the first four games. That's a huge scalp to take. I know it's going to be an absolute long shot to get that, but can you imagine the momentum that builds off that for the, the following two weeks? Because they're not easy games the next two weeks either. This this slate was always going to be about how well could we get through the early stages and you know momentum is just so key for every team. If you can stay healthy, you know momentum's on your side. You're winning. It's going to be tough. We're going to have to have a lot of you know a lot of breaks for us, uh, and we're going to hopefully you know have to play a far far cleaner and more refined Houston Texans football we did on Thursday night. But Graham, thank you very much for joining. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me again. Thanks again for joining this week. Um, you can check out our articles and our top 10 plays from last week, which will be coming out later in the week on the podcasttexans.com. You can follow us at podcasttexans on Twitter, on Facebook. Please email anything at podcasttexans at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to hopefully see if we can turn this season in the right direction or after we play the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night.